0: Greetings friends, welcome to A Good Conversation, our weekly dive into all things regenerative. If you, like us, are curious about where ideas behind regenerative agriculture and regenerative farming, how these might translate to regenerative business and regenerative culture at large, then you're in the right place. As it says on the tin, it's a good conversation, at least we hope it is. If you're interested in participating in that, join us live as we record it each week failing that enjoy it here sit back get a cup of tea lie down and enjoy a good conversation we hope you enjoy this week's episode so hello here we are again a good conversation how good are you Ron? good to see you good thanks hope you're good Yep, yeah, always good always good um, so uh we were having a conversation this morning about the uh the, the theme the topic for today and uh i was asking what we were talking about and uh niels pointed out that we'd already decided <laughs> you already knew didn't you niels yeah well it's a bit hot yes what was the what, what what's what's the theme well which direction are we heading in Um, yeah, so
1: last time we spoke about, uh, mainly about the, the, the process. Mm. So, um, I think Henrik pointed out that it might be best to move in, a, in a, how you call it, in baby steps towards the bigger, well, regenerative goal we, we should have and, um, and that we should try to get as many people on board as we, as we can. hmm but uh, and I, I think I mentioned something about maybe you should put a line on the horizon and not a dot on the horizon. So we can all move forward. And uh, in that game, uh, from the discussion we had about the definition about regeneration, mm-hmm. what regeneration, what is it not? Should we have a definition?
2: Is there a danger in it?
1: So, yeah. And then we decided just to continue. Um, okay, then... How should this line or dog or stew <laughs> look like? What is it? And how do we get there? Mm-hmm. That's a really broad thing, I realized, as I mentioned it. So maybe we should break it down a little bit. And, and, um, and I was thinking, but I didn't finish my thought. But what if we, and what if in this group would be a farmer, just a normal farmer with big machinery, uh, putting his uh, poison on the field to get beautiful crops. Um, what would we tell him? What would we ask him or her? Maybe that uh, maybe that could be the, the underlying question of thought that we could have to to funnel this conversation. Mm-hmm.
0: So what would what would we ask him or her? Um, about the point that, that is good to aim for, or what would we ask him or her about the definition?
1: Yeah, and and what should we say to uh, change his mind or mm-hmm. change his practice uh, mm-hmm. to be more nature inclusive or generative mm-hmm. In the meantime, I'm to close the window because uh, there's a lot of noise here.
0: Okay. Andrew.
3: Well, it's, it's a really interesting uh, issue that how to talk to people with a different worldview. Um, I can tell you I was in the agri- school, um, school of Agriculture in Denmark uh, back in the fall of uh, 2019 and uh, this was on the leadership management uh, level, taking half a year uh, course there. and we were uh, some 12 uh, people in the class and i think we were i was pretty much the only one who were in favor of organic there's one more he, he he worked on a organic uh, farm and, and he's okay with that but he i mean he didn't it was not his his suit so to say uh, nothing against it but not uh, like fanatic in, in favor um and when talking to the other people, uh, it's like, I mean, the organic farmers—they're just crazy, you know. They—it's impossible to manage the the um, the other, uh, how do you say, the weeds, and and if pests come ar- around of any kind, I mean, you have nothing to do, and and basically they are only in it for the for the extra subsidies that they can get from the government and then in in three or four years they are out again because, uh, I mean, uh, uh, just the topic of going from conventional to organic, it's like, oh, but it's, I mean, they're crazy. It's impossible. So so if if you want to talk to a, a really conventional farmer, you need to understand what's going on inside. Mm. and that's a challenge
4: (laughs) yeah I understand and one thing I want to put in this conversation is is it about that we have to ask this conventional farmer what his goal is or do we have to um, uh, help people to develop a mindset um, to more regenerative? because it also is Uh, letting go old principles and um, starting to look through new um, new glasses to uh, from a different perspective uh, to uh, well your practical things as a farmer but way broader as a person in how you look to the world what your world view and your um, man view is Mm -hmm. so and and I think Last week you mentioned mourning. Um, it's also that those people have. We have to um, give them the space to mourn, to let go of these old principles. Mm. But we can help them through this process. I think with stories, etc. And mm. small a small example. I think you heard all the uh, of the the, the the court decision for Shell. Mm-hmm. uh the, the judge in the Netherlands said to Shell, you have to be more sustainable and you have to work harder to be more sustainable. And now what is happening in, the, in, in mainstream media, media in the Netherlands is that all the talk shows are um, inviting the old board people from Shell to talk about this issue. And they don't invite the younger um, uh, minds, the, the younger people with, with fresh uh, perspectives to the future. And, okay, you can have critic on that, but it's also a process of mourning, because the, this old people and, and, and the media, they have to go through a process to understand why this um, judgment is made by a judge. Mm-hmm. And it's also, with, I think, with regeneration. So, I think what could help is stories of hope, blah, 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 but how can we, maybe, maybe that's the question, how can we um, help them during this process from old to new mm. without saying that we know it all? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> mm. you understand. Yeah. But I think the, uh, the thing around mourning uh, and letting something go is really interesting, isn't it? Because obviously we're not really very good at doing that. Um, that's you know the our minds do the opposite don't they we kind of hold on to things and actually the more insecure we get the holder the tighter we hold on Um, so there is something quite interesting I think around the journey that traditional or not traditional um, contemporary farmers would need to go on uh, to let go of old practices to create space for for new practices
4: yeah, and I believe that the conventional farmers now they are trapped in a system. And if you ask them, okay, there's no system, what do, what do you want to do? I think every almost every farmer farmer is saying I want to work together with nature and mm-hmm. uh, be good for the soil. So well, a little add-on.
2: Mm-hmm. So what oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah. If I could come in there, I, I'm I'm very much agreeing in terms of of uh, knowledge transfer and and and, and, and uh, raising awareness, knowledge transfer about uh, ecosystem services, and at the same time about tipping points in relation to where we're going with 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 the potential domino effects from 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 ocean acidification ice melt all those i think there's nine different factors that that that, that could be potentially interrelating and also uh, what else did i write yeah so i think i think like the guys are saying i think case studies i think if we can bring around some case studies and and show people a different system Mm. and uh, like you you say uh, nils i think that the media also have a very important role. Uh, in, in and I would see that as a being important one leg of my stool is that whole area or I mentioned it last week was of of knowledge transfer would be and education would be one very important leg of, of the stool as I see it.
0: Question, Sean, have you always been an organic farmer? No. No. So no. what was your what, uh, what was I have- your journey to it?
2: Yes. Well, my journey, uh, my journey was uh, a little bit of education and, and uh, observation and awareness. Um, I'll give you one simple example. Like many farmers, I was putting out uh, cattle slurry, you know, after winter housing my animals. out onto my fields and I put it out fairly heavy, but I thought fairly typical. And I went out next day to to kind of maybe compliment myself on my good work to my shock to discover all the dead earthworms on top of the, of the soil so that was a light bulb moment for me uh so so that and then also uh finding um herbs uh, at the gatepost as i leave my field and these are tra- traditional herbs that were there from the farmers before me oh, Jesus, sorry, about that. Uh, sorry about that guys it's a performance my, my apologies <laughs> um and um, so uh, those herbs, of course, were from the older farming systems. So I was, so I was making observations of that. Another point was, the, I'm a semi-Upland farm. I taught the rivers on my farm because there was no salmon or no trout in them, that there was no life in them. But now I, 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 I get excited about seeing the, the case caddis and the freshwater shrimp and the water boatmen and, and, and all the other creatures that are in that habitat and how they're interacting in the, on the wider habitat. So those those couple of things, and then of course, my, I went went to university and I learned about you know the interconnectivity of all of all organisms, above ground, below ground, and 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 our own part in the whole system. So that's that's my my answer to that, uh, um, Ben.
0: And so I mean, it's curious, isn't it? So you basically see see basically see the world around you. Kind of start to make connection that uh, the way that it has been it has been working isn't going to work, and that this is kind of inspiration enough, uh, kind of motivation enough to then kind of make make your own change. And so I'm kind of curious. Then other conversations you might have had, you might have now with with other farmers. Is it that other farmers are not noticing things in the same way, or they are noticing but they don't feel? It's still the the kind of cost of not doing it isn't yet great enough to, to 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 make the change.
2: Well, there's 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 a there's a media and there's a norm and and and, and we're looking to change, I suppose. Um, all any any of the media in Ireland is is, is pretty much on on conventional. Uh, chemical fertilizers and and so on at the moment uh and dosing animals with, with, with for war anti warmers and all this so substitutions for 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 for, for better management management systems that's the, that's the norm but i believe there is a shift and there is a more there is more independent thinking coming into the coming into it it, it has been a system of a flock of sheep all going one way but i think there's more into independent thinking coming uh but there's still, if I could add, there's still quite a bit of madness, of of of, of transporting uh, uh, silage long distances from one place to another, and, and burning a lot of carbon, uh, and 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 the costs in, involved in all of that. Um, so I think though I I I see positives in in the fact that the media are starting to make a transition, uh, and I also see positives in the in the fact that there are more case studies. To show farmers working with nature and making a good living. You know, so so that that's my answer to that then.
0: Yeah, great. I guess anybody else's experience having seen uh, farmers who have made the shift and what the motivations were, because that might sort of point to to you know, those the important first moves. I can tell you, my my cousin, uh, he's just a crop farmer in
3: Denmark, um, and he made the shift simply out of uh, wanting a bigger challenge. Um, he is a university uh, agronomist, or I don't know how to translate that, but I mean he's not he's beyond the ordinary farmer, right? Mm. And so, just managing in the ordinary fashion way of his parents' farm. It was just simply too boring. So one motivating for him was environment, yeah, but also the professional challenge. Mm. Uh, So that's one case, Uh, but I I can give you a countless number of other people uh, feeling better the the first description that I made. I mean, GMO is going to save the world, right? Um, And and it's impossible to feed the world if we don't have mass production, right? Mm They have all of these very square uh, arguments and and um, you can meet them in the local pub, so to say, and we can talk about the icebergs melting or whatever. But when they come home, they put on a completely different mindset because now it's about business, you know, and, and um, how to get to them, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, how do you get to them? That is a good question.
3: Yeah, yeah really.
5: <laughs> I think that, that's, that, that's a pretty good puzzle right there, isn't it? Um, mm. It's such a cognitive... Maybe, Go ahead, Henry. Sorry. Uh,
3: maybe we don't need to at the moment, right? Um, focus on the 5% you can get to. Yeah. get the story out. Um, it's, a, it's a strategy. I don't know if it works mm-hmm. fast enough.
5: Yeah, I, I would I would agree with Henrik on that. In that, it'd probably be very difficult to get, maybe as Yap just said, you know, earlier that, uh, you know, those at the very top or the large farmers, large corporations, those are very powerful, very tough. You know, you're going to change their mindset out of what they're currently doing. I mean you know, they're very strategic, you know, and looking to capitalize in many different ways, you know? So, I mean, I, I, there's such a psychology behind this as we're, you know, sort of bewildered by this simple question of how do you even talk to somebody, you know, uh, mm. ask all kinds of questions. You know, if someone's already indoctrinated into certain mindsets, you can talk to them all day long, but they're just not going to receive it. But, you know, probably there's number There's numbers in, there's momentum in numbers, but I think go back a few weeks ago to something, I think I asked, you know, how many regenerative, how many organic farmers are, are the ones that are doing it? Are they communicating with one another? And then what about those that are on the fence? You know, maybe they have a small portion of their farm that they're trying this out with and they're thinking about it and they just need some help to get over that hill. I mean, if you look at conventional farmers, and I mean, theory, you're going to, you're going to walk up to them, ask them a bunch of questions, educate them, and you're going to ask them to tear down, you know, quote unquote, their empire. So like, I want you to start over and do it this way. Okay, well, that sounds good. But, you know, that, that mourning and that loss of fear is, well, where's my security? How am I going to live for the next two years? Well, where's the money? You know, it's, there's a, uh there's a composting operation I you guys know that I work with black earth compost and there's uh ours is a it's, it's not labeled organic but it's an all natural product and it's a superior product and then there's a composting facility uh not that far from us uh that accepts a lot more a little less restrictive and uh, it's an inferior product but they sell it much much cheaper to conventional farmers and I remember calling up one of these conventional farms you know, to see if they want to buy some of our product and, oh, geez, those prices are outrageous. I'd rather just buy it. And he mentioned the competitor. Well, you know, if you're going to go based on price and you're just going to keep doing what you're doing, uh, what is, what, 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 what does it take for someone to change? You know, is it, is it, you look at personal health issues, is it trauma? Is it injury? Is it something where you go, oh, well, maybe I should, or does it take, your child having a, a setback from a jab or an illness or something where you say, Well, geez, maybe I should do this for my child and other people need this. And you wake up. I, so maybe it is step by step, you know, where, you know, it's organic and regenerative. You try to grab those that are on the fence, you create a movement. And now this movement becomes larger and larger and larger. And that's how you slowly. It's, it's sort of like that psychology with, uh, if you go back uh, to Edward Bernays, and uh, even before that, I, f- I forget who they learned from, I have his book, but, uh, you know, the crowd manipulation or the manipulation of crowds, mm-hmm. you know, when you see momentum happening, you know, yeah, but you always got to be worried that other side, that's going to say, okay, look at these crowds forming, we got to learn how to control these new crowds that are doing new things for the benefit, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not speaking with any general direction, just sort of speaking openly as to the challenge that's in front of us, you know, so. Much appreciated.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think the the thing around um, speaking to the audience who are inclined to listen to you um, certainly makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Rather than talking to a metaphorical wall Um, You know, clearly there are different techniques and uh, approaches, you know, because I I think in some form, all of the change starts with conversation in some form. So there is getting to some place of mutual understanding, Uh, but that can be extremely long, long journey, of course. And I think to what you're talking about, Tom, there, you know, there is an element of, i don't know you know anyone who has children or spent any time with children in a way like children never actually listen to anything that uh, parents say but they do copy what they do uh, and uh, i think there's probably something kind of true around that in trying to get any kind of change to to happen is that people copy other people uh, they copy behaviors and that talks a little bit to what you're talking about tom as well that actually the you know making connections between the people who are acting differently showcasing the work of people who are acting differently to kind of encourage other people that it is safe for for them also to make the transition and that they can see a kind of little roadmap or stepping stones of action that they might take to to make the change too, feels um feels kind of important doesn't it
5: yeah i i, I would ask another question too i i, I was it uh it was maybe uh, maybe you Ben or, or Sean uh, who just recently just said here a few minutes ago about how you know you ask some questions about what's going on in the world and they put their you know on, uh, you know in the discussion forum they uh, they put on one hat and they say well yeah I I agree this the climate should be dealt with you know these things we need to change we need change and they go back to their conventional farming ways and they put on a completely different hat. And do maybe the complete opposite, just because that's where they're stuck. You know, I'd like to like to know, you know, you know, if the conventional farmers actually wholeheartedly believe that that food is nutritionist for them. Do they live and breathe exactly what they're growing and doing? You know, do they see health benefits in exactly what they're doing for themselves? And if they're not, there's a, that's a that's <laughs> There's a problem with that, you know, and and I would gather that you know the, the you know the Walmart Corporation, the people that own Walmart, they don't buy anything in Walmart. They get wealthy off of other people buying their product in Walmart. They don't buy anything that they're selling, you know. Our conventional farmers doing this very thing, and, and if they are, well, a problem. But if they, the education then begins. Well, if you believe in chemicals and spraying and the, the, this soil degradation and it's, it's going to hurt your body. I mean, you know, that's where someone like Zach Bush comes in and aligns all of these things and say, well, geez, what's more important? Is it the money that's feeding your pockets or is it just complete health alignment? And do you relate that with your own conventional farming practices? You know, I mean, you might even look at uh, over the years of time, uh, you know, 50, 100 years ago where the quality of workmanship, you know, uh, it doesn't matter what it is, uh, you know, um, in construction or just any, you know, making any types of products has diminished over the years of time. The the workmanship that went into product was, the product was better. It lasted longer. The materials were better, right? Now it's just, you know, you churn them, you keep turning them and churn them and burn them and, and and profit and you just keep going and going. And that on you on, on, on itself is wearing you down as you're making it to keep up with this artificial demand of, of, I, you know, um, artificial euphoria, artificial pleasure. I you know, I mean I think um, if if I can
3: extend a little bit on that, Tom, um, imagine this farmer with five hundred cows or a thousand hectares or whatever, um, and you come to him and start talking to him about your generation or organic farming or whatever. He would see that as a threat to his business model, you know, because he has, I don't know how many millions of, of uh, euros invested in, in this business, and it's not uh, something he can easily play around with. So, why would he see our approach as a threat? Maybe if we look into a bit of what has been going on historically, you know, the government comes and determines now you need to have more cover crops, okay? It's a law. You need to apply with that because government had decided this is best. They see that as a threat, right? We have been working against those laws. We have not incorporated them. It is not coming from our goodwill to use that. So we see all of these uh, regulations. Now we cannot use the last 10 meters uh, close to a stream uh, regulation. Okay, they're taking some of my land away, you know. All these initiatives comes from above, right? And every time it has, I mean, we we need to take care of the environment and we need to take care of the, the, the water and everything. But it's always been perceived as, okay, less than I can do, less than I can do. I cannot do this. I cannot do this. I cannot do that. Instead of turning it around saying, oh, you can do this. And, and do this as well. Uh, it's always with the negative. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know? and, and it's coming from about with the, the system, right? So how can we turn around like, like Sean was um, kind of, oh, I can do this. Mm. You know, I can do this. It's a completely different uh, way of, of um, uh, verbalizing what's going on right? Uh, it's, it's how we tell the story also. Uh, but but if, if you wonder why a farmer might react in a certain way, okay, look at the past 20 or 30 years. <laughs> what has happened? You know? Uh, what has been his experience? Mm-hmm. I think it explains a bit.
4: Maybe uh, we are a little bit now back to the beginning when Niels was saying, okay, what are small steps? And earlier in, in, in another um, episode we um, um, we said uh, that a, a company could be a forest maybe we have to look uh, at this so the, the the shift the paradigm shift uh, from conventional to more regenerative also on how we are doing our regenerative practices on a farm so you have you can do small steps, small things to um, um, increase the soil life on the short term by getting chickens on it, uh, strip grazing, etc. So next year, you see the um, positive thing about that. But there are also um, um, uh, things that have a longer time to, um, to to show the results mm-hmm. so the results and I think the whole paradigm shift that farmers are stepping over or, or, or doing other uh, things more regenerative that's more the longer term but of course if we see this community as um, um, dead soil and we want to we want to um, make it more alive we need this Um, uh, small practical actions that have short term results and if we want to make it a system then we have to think other um, interventions that um, more on the longer term can change the whole community to more regenerative. Maybe there is is some solution in thinking, thinking about a system in this way and then we can talk, and maybe for next week, what are the small... So what are the the, the raising um, uh, chickens, uh, the paste chickens and uh, the, the, the strip-raising practicals for this community that we want to move more towards regenerative thinking?
0: Mm-hmm.
4: You know what I... Do you understand what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And I like the, uh, the analogy, the metaphor of... Uh, of soil that makes sense um and focusing on the small small practical actions um feels uh feels kind of important because yeah it's like the two sides aren't there like you say there's the the kind of big systemic shifts which is about working towards the horizon and all of those things and then there are the the kind of steps today uh, which might be about connections between people it might be about showcasing the work of individuals it might be about helping organisations who are out there, um, kind of doing the work to promote these ideas. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, having a having a the next conversation to focus on the you know a range of small, uh, as you put it there, small small practical actions which which move things on feels like a good 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 conversation to have. Uh,
2: could could I add maybe to that, uh, Ben? Just just like following on from Tom's uh, comment there about standards and 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 quality of product, mm-hmm. uh, how it has deteriorated over the decades and so on and so forth. I, I think just maybe the same could be said about food, since since the human hand has gone away from the food and the mixing and the blending by hand, and 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 making the jams and and and, and the home crafts and the home baking. there's actually a disconnection with that food and and, and now food is something that goes goes in here into your mouth and then you go to the toilet and, and later and whatever. And that's that that's a disconnection with food. Mm. So um I think you know there's there's uh, similarities with what Tom says on on on, on our values and 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 uh, and our not just our values but our our passion for and our our, our end result or whatever.
0: Mm. Yeah, thanks, Sean. The thing I'd add to that as well, it's the other thing which has happened, of course, with food, which we did speak about before is that, you know, we assume that it's produced by in a supermarket. So we go to a supermarket where it's where it's made. And we then come home, we stick it in our mouths and then go to the toilet. So the kind of the the the, the kind of journey for that product, we have no kind of feeling for for that. Um, so I mean, I think that um in terms of things to discuss again, I think uh, the next conversation around the small practical actions. I think it would probably then be useful to have a conversation around how you start to reframe our relationship with food, um, and you know what what that might involve. So that could be its own its own conversation uh, after we do small practical actions.
4: Great. Great. Good. It was very fun
2: again. Yeah, yeah good chat, you guys.
0: Very good. good see Keep you warm, next time.
2: Uh, hopefully. Thank you. Bye Thanks for now.